Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I'm Ryan Salisbury, and I'm Peter DeBeer. <laughs> no, he's not. He is not Peter DeBeer. I am Peter DeBeer. God damn it, Ryan. If, the, if we're going to have to do this take again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy a ticket to the US just so that I can get there and, 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 and tell you what your real name is. Well, it's not my fault that you didn't hit record. You yeah, know, because no, no, that that is because I'm I'm Ryan Salisbury, so <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So I'm Peter De Beer, uh, who is not Ryan Salisbury, uh, and today and we're hopefully going... not auto tuned one by the time you're listening to this, but to me he is. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the issue of uh, real estate and franchising in the fast food industry. And, um, of course, the best way to pa- tackle this idea uh, is by looking at the top dog in these departments. And uh, that happens to be McDonald's. Um, now, McDonald's is, is an issue that's a bit close to home for me because it's something I have never, ever, 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 ever touched. Uh, I've, I've never had a McDonald's fry or, or a burger or, or anything. Um, I've had the opportunity, don't get me wrong, but... Um, no. When McDonald's first opened, so wait, in how South old Africa, were you when the first McDonald's opened near you? Sixteen. Uh, Sixteen? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been eating McDo- McDonald's since I was a fucking baby. So you're still a fucking baby. <laughs> Probably why my brain doesn't work good. Your 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 brain works gooder than mine. So th- <laughs> m- maybe I should eat McDonald's. I don't know, dude. Um, I want to die. <laughs> yeah. And in all honesty, that might very well be because of McDonald's. So Probably. Yeah. I'm we pretty sure... Probably... I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm pretty sure that if I didn't have this weird anorexia that I have, I would just be a fat guy. Because I do love eating. Dude, you know, I, I love food so much. It's become like a running joke here. I've I've picked up like close to 20 kgs in the last year and a half that's crazy man yeah but that's because um before i used to work in a restaurant and um when you work around food all day every day you sort of lose your appetite yeah i still don't um, like cake really you don't like cake no no i worked Uh, in that bakery for years Oh yeah, that's true. I could that's I could true. have literally all the cake that I could eat, and sometimes yeah, that, did because I didn't. I, they didn't pay me enough to like afford to eat like nice food. <laughs> it was like leftovers from work. And I think that's one reason I why steal. I would I would never ever ever work in a pizzeria. I'm not willing to destroy oh, yeah. pizza for myself like that. Yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> so. um Wait, what yeah, when I was, I was when I was working in uh, when I was working in um, Caribou, we were two doors down from a Pizza Hut, or was it? No, it was a Domino's, and uh, yeah, t- I was friends with one of the dudes that worked there, and he's like, "Man, I'm so tired of pizza, dude." <laughs> I was like, yeah. "That sucks. That's, <laughs> that's awful." And I feel horrible for people that that have to live through that kind of experience. That is a cursed existence. I, I'm pretty sure if I had the choice between. Uh, living in Palestine and and being sick of pizza, I would pick Palestine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, 
on on the other hand, you could just like me become diabetic and then figure out that the carb the carb count in pizza is so fucking high that I have to take massive amounts of insulin in order to have just one pizza. Um <laughs> And so now it's gotten to that point where I I just I can't eat pizza. I, I I love it, and I'll still like steal a slice here and there where it's possible. But it's just it's not worth the damage it does to my body to yeah. have that much um, carb intake. It's, it's my dad. My dad is obsessed with his health. He's like um, I think he's going to be sixty seven or sixty eight uh, next month, and. Wow. Uh, his uh his doctor is like she tells him that he can only eat pizza once a month and i don't remember if it was my mom or someone else in my family but they're like like why is this doctor telling him that pizza is the only thing that he can only have once a month like what if he had like bruschetta which is all the same shit. <laughs> like, could he have bruschetta like five times a month? And what if like uh like how much is pizza? Like, if we get a, a pie and he eats, you know, like one slice, is that the same as getting a pie and eating like eight slices? Does that count as once a month? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can you can take one pizza and then split it up throughout the month. <laughs> You're allowed one slice for the next four days, dear. Yeah, I don't get that, man. I wouldn't like fuck. Man, if I had to uh, only eat pizza once a month, why would I want to get old? Oh, yeah, no. Trust me on this one. You don't. You do not <laughs> want to get old. Stay young forever. Okay? Yeah. That should be yeah. the only fucking research we should be doing as a society is how to never age at all because getting old sucks ass. So we're nearly 10 minutes into our episode and we haven't gotten started with it yet because... Um, in all honesty, I was a little bit of a slacker and I didn't get enough of the show notes done. So we're, we're sort of stretching things out a bit. Hey everyone, just wanted to issue a little correction there. Uh, you, you're probably getting confused, you know, you're sitting there, uh, watching the timer on, you know, your, uh, podcast player and you're like, what is Peter talking about? 10 minutes. It hasn't been 10 minutes into the episode. We're only six minutes into the episode. I had to do some editing. So, uh, there's a couple minutes cut off. And uh, Peter probably was also, you know, not totally accurate on the time in the first place. So just wanted to uh, make sure everyone's uh, has a solid understanding of what's going on in the episode. Okay. But uh, yeah, and again, I thought today was Thursday again, (laughs) and that I had a bunch of extra time (laughs) to work on these notes. So last night I was playing video games like the whole night, pretty much. And this morning I was playing video games until little Peter was like, oh, yeah. Uh, just need a smoke and then I'll be ready. And then I was like, fuck! God damn it! Why do I keep losing days? Um, yeah. Okay, so, before we get started, just for those of you who don't know, and I don't know how you don't know, I mean, Michael Keaton fucking played the movie that everyone should have seen about the history of McDonald's. Batman? Yeah. Wait, there's other movies starring Michael Keaton? The movie about the history of McDonald's, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does talk about billionaire douchebags. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Basically, uh, the brothers Richard and Maurice McDonald opened the first McDonald's back in 1940 in California. Now, that McDonald's was nothing like the giant corporation we know today. Uh, and honestly, if the brothers had any say in it, it never would have ended up being the giant corporation it is now. Um, the original brothers, what made their first McDonald's great was that they innovated the speedy service system. Um, which has gone on to become the standard system used in the fast food industry. That's how you get your burger in under five minutes. It's how you get pretty much anything in the fast food industry in under five minutes. Um, but of course, as with most modern capitalism, this is not the key ingredient that helped McDonald's accumulate so much wealth. Yeah. Uh, this can be more accurate accurately attributed to the absentee ownership rights written into the contract of every McDonald's franchise on the planet. While the face of McDonald's is obviously that of um, a fast food restaurant, McDonald's's real business is that of land ownership. Their total land ownership around the planet is valued at upward of $18 billion dollars. And rental of the land to franchisees makes up around 20% of their annual revenues. Now, this switch in the business models from fast food to land rental can be attributed to Ray Kroc, the man who partnered with the McDonald's brothers originally before aggressively pushing them out of their own businesses um, during the 1950s uh, so that he could go on to establish the uh, McDonald's Corporation in 1961. Ryan, are you there? Have you lost? Yeah, sorry, day? I'm. Uh, I'm trying to look look shit up. <laughs> Am I moving too fast for you? <laughs> um, uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, um, for those of you who who like me have been fortunate enough to avoid um, eating McDonald's your whole life, you haven't made a difference. Not buying their product isn't, like, they don't really care. Uh, uh, I think a McDonald's burger costs them like 15 cents or something to make. So they they really don't give a shit about the, the revenues. Except that those revenues are how their uh, tenants pay the rent. So, yeah... Next time you talk about uh, you hear about someone talking about small business owners, McDonald's is mostly made up of small business owners. Like eighty five percent of their business is made up of franchisees. Yeah, and they're trying to get it up to like ninety five percent or something. Um, yeah, lately. yeah, that's that's the latest business model. They're doing so well. They're yeah, what I was what I was going to say earlier before I got distracted trying to look up acreage and uh, petting this cat that just walked up to the door. Hi, Gracie. Meow. Um. She's so cute. Uh, <laughs> she's the just, really skinny cat that comes by. Um, did you just mew on behalf of the cat? Well, I was trying to get her to meow into the microphone, but it wasn't picking it up because you would have stopped and been like, did you just meow? And then I would have been like, no, it was an actual cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, so about the speedy service system thing. So uh, you said that that wasn't the you know secret ingredient in the uh business becoming what, the model, right? modern McDonald's corporation yeah. which like um let's let's just talk about that for a second like let's say someone did open 
a restaurant and it was the first of its kind to ever do this speedy service system thing. Yeah, um, that, I mean, this so is like if, it's without why Ray without Kroc someone like without someone like Ray Kroc, um, you know, directing it to become a larger business. Like, if it were just these brothers, then what would happen is it would just start making a lot of money at that one location, and then like it could just stop there, you know. Yeah, th and look, it could become an institution that lasts 50, 60 years before being handed yeah. down to their kids, and they they keep doing the same thing and and all of that. But that's not like it. It was never going to lead to them being a multinational corporation, right? Like mainstream views of capitalism always consider the the productivity part to be the most important part. So this is mostly mostly applies to neoclassical economics but also to marxism to a great extent where just because the business is productive doesn't mean it's a successful business because it's the expansion into other locations and the financialization of the business that that makes it successful um Even if McDonald's didn't have a speedy service system, if it were just like this real estate company that just owns profitable land, you know, land that's at good, like nice, convenient locations, and you know, it it could be like a fucking like convenience store. It doesn't matter. Like the the fact is, it's the strategic um, location of its property. Uh, that is what's really generating the value there. And then the franchise structure um, sort of uh, allows it allows other people to take care of the day-to-day -day operations that the McDonald's corporation really doesn't give a shit about outside of the fact that it generates revenue. And um, then they just they sort of pay they pay tribute to the corporation that owns the land. So like to me, this is a lot like, like feudal land tenure. It's like essentially the same thing you're letting like the McDonald's corporation is a Lord that lets these franchisees, which are vassals um, work its land um, using its tools and all that stuff. And then it just pays rent and tribute to the lord which is the mcdonald's corporation like like what is the real difference between those two systems between feudal land tenure and Mc the mcdonald's franchise the only real difference is scale to be honest um yeah and the, with, the legitimization of course it's not like divine right is what yeah, legitimizes yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it's something else i but. mean Uh, with with feudal land tenure, it all happened within that specific kingdom. Right. The, uh, whereas McDonald's looks at this and says, well, fuck it, we're not beholden to any one nation. We can go and set up in 120 countries out of 198 around the world. 90% of those countries that they're not in are just too fucking small for them to give a shit about. Interesting. So, Yeah. 120. No, no uh, McDonald's in Lesotho? Yeah, also, um, 
that they're not going to go and try and tap a market that has no fucking money. Lesotho is <laughs> yeah. too fucking poor for them to give a shit about. Right. Um, although they'll they'll happily take any beef that is produced by Lesotho if it means that they can cut costs on transporting beef from other areas uh, to nearby free state in um, in South Africa. So, yeah. Don't for a second think that just because you're a small nation, you can't too be part of the McDonald's supply chain. Yeah. Um, did you read the, the the quote from the former CEO or CFO? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, not yet. But I'm happy to now. Yeah. So, um, former McDonald's CFO, uh, Harry J. Sonneborn, um, has, uh, it's one of the most famous quotes about him. Um, where he said, we are not technically in the food business. We are in the real estate business. The only reason we sell 15 cent hamburgers is because they are the greatest producer of revenue from which our tenants can pay us our rent. Yeah. So, so they're really like lords. Yeah. But ba- ba- basically what happened is, um, Ray Kroc realized that he doesn't want to do any fucking real work. He, he'd much rather be an absentee owner. Um, and that starting up a restaurant is actually a pretty risky business for your, your average person. I know this. I've done this. Um, re- re- like it's yeah, I think so it's like much 80% work. of business, uh, 80, 80% of restaurants are shut down within six months of opening or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's two it's years an, or something. Like, um, your average startup is 80% within five years. Um, whereas restaurants is like you said, 80% within six months. Yeah. It's extremely risky. And one of the things that, that makes it so risky is the fact that you as the owner, you can't take anything out of the business for the first three years. You have yeah. to, you have to keep, taking every ounce of revenue that comes in and plug it straight back into the business and, and constantly monitor everything. And you've got to be there. Literally, it's a 20 hour a day job. Uh, it, it, it's a thankless profession. And because of that, it makes more sense from a financial perspective, if you are the small business owner wanting to start a product that you have someone who's already got established guidelines who's already got an established uh, reputation and menu and service guidelines and, and everything and brand um, and, and all their marketing and branding already established that the admin side of things is taken care of at that point. It's, it's a no brainer. You're, you're busy getting rid of half the workload. Um, there was this guy, there was this guy yeah. that um, owned a, a franchise around here. I, I can't remember which one. It, it might have been Noodles and Company, but it might have been something different. But this guy is a fucking genius. He uh, he found a way that he was able to start this franchise and run the franchise for about three years until he had like all the shit that he needed to just open his own restaurant and be like his own thing instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my uncle did that um, with 
what started off as a in South Africa there's a there's a steakhouse called um, Mac Rib, and they were a, a upper middle class style um, steakhouse. Uh, they functioned with a buffet as well as a la carte menu. And they were pretty big at the time. Their, their main focus was on um, beef ribs and pork uh-huh. ribs. And so mac rib, obviously. And um, my uncle worked for them f- uh, uh, in several franchises for close to 10 years. And at the end of that, he had enough money and enough contacts and enough everything that he broke off and started the rib in, which uh, used almost exactly the same branding, used <laughs> almost the exact same everything, um, same format, same business model, everything, and uh, opened three restaurants in the space of two years, uh, worked hard at it, and then shut it all down and retired. So nice. yeah, he, he he took a major franchise for a ride, and it worked. It did take ten years of work though, and this uh-huh. is the thing: is as the franchise, um, I can never get this right whether you're the franchisee or the franchisor. Um, as the I think person, McDonald's is the franchisor, and the person who opens the restaurant is the franchisee. Okay, so as the franchisee, you're taking on all the risk. You're yes. taking on all yeah. the work. McDonald's um, are essentially putting up their brand as such. Right. And just to be clear, you're under They're obligation money compl- to li- like 100% from just the ownership of property. That's it. That's it. Um, and, and not just in the franchise rights and the, 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 royalties on their name and, and, and that kind of stuff, they're making it by owning the property that you are running your business on. That is yeah. literally 20% of all their revenue comes from that. Um, so and, and really, like, the entire capitalist system is just varying degrees of that. In, because indeed. indeed. Even so if, McDonald's is If like you're starting your own business, you're... You're getting money from someone who already owns it, who is thereby making money on the fact that they own money, and they get to extract rent from you in the form of interest, and they take on almost no risk because they're the ones that are able to design the terms of lending and all that stuff. So basically, if you aren't already wealthy, you're taking on any risk. (laughs) Exactly. So this is basically what McDonald's uh, does. Uh, This is what Ray Kroc figured out, is that McDonald's, in order to be a successful multinational company, would have to become capitalist. And and we're not talking about a small business that that makes burgers really fast. We're talking about uh, uh, becoming absentee owners of... um, every single franchise that they could open. And they were very aggressive with the opening of franchises. Now, today, McDonald's makes its money on real estate through two methods. Um, Its real estate subsidiary will buy and sell hot properties while also collecting rents on each of its franchise locations. To be clear, it buys property, it then sells a franchise 
for someone who wants to open the uh, a, a McDonald's on that property, it will then collect rent on that property. Any property that is no longer popular, it sells, and uh, it's a flipped location. Before it starts losing too much value, they sell it off, and they go reinvest that money in another location that is starting to um, see a rise in property value. So it's um, it's, it's kind of like gentrification, but with just a single business um, focusing on multiple locations rather than yeah. one specific neighborhood. Um, so yeah, the, the, there's there's these two revenue streams just from the real estate side of things. Now, um, like I said, McDonald's restaurants are in over a hundred countries and have probably served over a hundred billion hamburgers. And it's those burgers that um, allow the franchisee to then pay the rent. Now, keep in mind, there are over 36,000 locations worldwide, of which only 15% are owned and operated by the McDonald's Corporation directly. So that's that's actual um, McDonald's that are owned by McDonald's, not owned by a franchisee. Okay? So that's Everything only like else, 4,500? Yeah. 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 So literally a, Damn, a, a, crazy. A, a, a small percentage. They're really not in the burger selling business. Yeah. They're, they really are. Their, their job is, is real estate. And they're trying to get, they're trying to lower that number. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because at the end of the day, the, 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 the sheer volume of revenue that is produced. Okay. I've actually got this note a little bit further down, but might as well get into it now. In 2016, McDonald's operated, like I said, 15% of its stores, which attributed 15.3 billion in revenue to its total. The other 85% were franchisee-owned stores um, and only made up 9.3 billion in revenue. So, it, I mean, if you look at it like that, it would seem that um, operating its own business... Uh, gives it more revenue. However, when it comes down to what matters, which is profits, the franchisee stores gives McDonald's more for their money. Um, and then, uh, obviously, the company can grow enough to um, augment revenue in the long term. McDonald's collected 7.6 billion profits from rent. That's rent, royalties, and fees from franchisees in 2016, while only earning 2.6 billion in profit from its um, company-owned operations. So, I mean, we're talking about 7.6 from um, 9.3 billion or 2.6 from 15.3 billion. Obviously, the operating costs of running their own show—it's uh, it, not worth it. The margins are just—it's ridiculous. They're—they're—they're they're, they're not seeing nearly as much. Uh, earnings for doing um, the same work that a franchisee can do. Yeah. So, and yeah, and I, again, the franchisee, like uh, having franchises uh, as the franchisor, is less risky than owning and operating the restaurant yourself. So, definitely by increasing the percent of restaurants in their um, in their portfolio that are franchised restaurants they are lowering the total risk profile so their um their earnings 
per quarter per year are more certain when they are uh, operating the majority of their restaurants as franchises rather than, um, you know, proprietor or whatever, um, c- corporate owned, I guess. Yeah. So, um, what one thing about McDonald's today is, um, there's this very long article that I found this morning that I tried to get all the way through, but you know, didn't have enough time. Um, one of the things about McDonald's right now is their, their PE ratio, the ratio between the share, the price of their shares and the earnings per share um, is very high. So it has a high price relative to its earnings. And part of that is because they've done like a ton of stock buybacks, um, which kind of um, inflates the price of their stock. Um, but part of the oh other reason God. is... huh? I said, oh my God, are they doing treasury stocks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're doing a lot of treasury stocks. Um, um, so the other part of the reason for that is because um, they're shifting to this model where almost all of their revenue is coming from franchises, which means it's going to be more the, like the same amount of revenue with a lower risk is going to be more valuable when you, when you discount it to present value in order to value a share. Mm. So if they shift from a, um, you know, slightly higher revenue um, from their company owned restaurants to a lower revenue with significantly lower risk, their, um, their price, their share price, will probably go up their PE ratio will probably go up. Yeah. Yeah. We, and, and as share price goes up, capitalization goes up. Right. So yeah, uh, if they want to make even more money than they're already making, this is this is the the the, the clever capitalist route. Right. Um now to open a McDonald's franchise, uh the the franchise fee is it, it's a minor forty five thousand dollars. However, to open the franchise, it, you are required um, to have liquid capital available uh, of about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and your eventual total investment is going to be anywhere from one to two point two million dollars. And uh, yeah, you're so not going to get are the majority. These franchises of... are either rich or getting in debt with the bank. Indeed. Now, the most interesting fact for me is that most McDonald's owner operators have entered the corporation by purchasing an existing restaurant. In other words, some other franchisee has started a McDonald's. Struggled along for three or four years and then had some rich douchebag step in and go, I'm going to take that off your hands. <laughs> and these rich douchebags tend to take over the franchise for an entire region. So they'll buy up four or five different McDonald's at the same time. So we're talking about capitalists within capitalists within capitalists. Yeah, so... Th- these guys that are buying the franchise from other people are essentially doing the same thing that the McDonald's corporation is doing itself, where it's letting other people take on all the risk and do all the work and then just sort of extracting rent from it. Indeed. 
That's exactly what they do. Now, this is that, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to. I just want to summarize this very quickly. There's a common trope in the capitalist great man myth that tells us that capitalists deserve gigantic rewards for taking huge risks that lead to societal progress. And McDonald's takes this trope and blatantly, in public, shits on it. The entire purpose of using a franchise model to expand your business is to reduce risk for the company by placing the majority of the financial obligations on the small business owner investing in setting up the franchise. McDonald's themselves have almost nothing to do to rake in their money. They have established menus, they have service guidelines, they have ready-made branding guidelines, they have marketing contracts. They have nothing left to do but pay a secretary to do the administration for a region. And that's it. The rest of it is just taking a trip to the bank to count how much money they have taken in this week. Yep. Yeah, the risk-reward myth in capitalism is definitely one of the strongest, uh, most ideological ones because yeah, even like, if you look honestly, at... Even if you look at investments, um, traders who... Um, take uh, who who buy assets and securities that are uh, lower risk earn more over time than ones who uh, take riskier investments. This is on average. Obviously, there's some there's going to be exceptions where some guy you know uh, bought made a risky purchase of Apple in you know 1970 or whatever, and now is and really it, rich and from it. it. Paid but, off. Yeah, but the, the vast majority of the time, you make you you can make a lot more money uh, with less risky investments because they're less risky. <laughs> You're yeah, more likely to like, win. <laughs> look, a lot of people have in the last five years made a fair amount of money by investing early in Netflix. Yeah, but I mean, that, it's like um, it's like taking a job versus trying to go like trying to make money off of gambling like yeah sure you could you, you could, could make a money. living off of gambling but it's way fucking easier to do that if you just like take a job with, that earns a wage you're way more likely to be able to make a living doing that indeed and it's the savings same with accounts yeah savings accounts are still considered the most stable investment over time the yeah. least risk it's uh yeah pretty solid um so, like I was saying, you could uh, the, the check out savings accounts. Flat... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> savings accounts. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can. Uh, oh, and if you do, make sure that it's um, not not. Uh, uh, God, no, it can't be a commercial bank. Make sure it's a retail bank because retail banks are not allowed to do any kind of business dealing with any other. With anything other than a human entity, so uh, it's not like they can trade your debt away to to robots another, to to another corporation <laughs> um, in in an SPV, which is one of the biggest scams of of the last fucking twenty years. Yeah, don't fucking give your money SPVs. to robots. They'll do Roko's Basilisk at, at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Where was I? Oh, I was saying Netflix has made 
quite a few people quite a bit of money by um, having 100% increases in their val- stock valuation year on year for the last oh, yeah. few years and it's been it's been great for those people who took that risk uh, in in a risky uh, business model and uh, yeah they took the chance and it seems to have worked out for them however the people that invested 30 years ago in disney have made a fuckload more <laughs> disney <laughs> is one of the most stable stocks um in existence and it may not grow 100% year over year but in the last 30 years it has seen a bigger growth than um than than netflix is likely to see over the next 30 years so yeah when you're talking about financial trading, stability is where it's at. Risk is not. Yeah, the Every real way to investor- make a lot of money is by already having a lot of money and then investing a lot of that. And the compound interest making you uh, a rich sun king. <laughs> yep. So. Okay. So, um, last little point on, on this whole... Um, land side of things uh during the 2008 recession mcdonald's leaned heavily on this this uh franchise um land ownership facet of their business as they capitalized on what was an anemic property market buying they they, they literally they uh, they went around buying up more of the land and buildings where it op- oh, where they already operate the company owns about 45% of the land and 70% of the buildings at their 36,000 locations. So they, they kind of make out like bandits during real estate. Jesus right? rice. They, yeah. they, they make so much money when it comes to any kind of bubble bursting. <laughs> A recording marathon. <laughs> <laughs> It is a bit of a marathon, isn't it? It is, yeah. We've already been recording for like three hours. Three and a half hours. Damn. Yep. Alright. Where were we? Okay, so Yeah, the company owns about forty five percent of the land and seventy percent of the buildings at the thirty six thousand locations. So yeah, these are capitalists extraordinaire. You said 36% of the buildings? 45% of the land and 70% of the buildings at their uh, 36,000 locations. So okay. they don't just own the land that you're building on. They own the building and the land so that they can charge more rent. Right. They don't mind, they don't mind forking out a little bit of money to, to build the property that you're going to rent from them. That probably also prevents uh, franchisees from doing what your uncle and that guy I knew did where, you know, they run a McDonald's franchise for a little bit and then they're like, well, see you later. So they own the building and the land. It's like, well, sorry, but, but, uh, you don't own anything here. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically the, the, um, the, the new subscription model, uh, for business. Yeah. That you, you see everywhere. Here, you like music? Well, you can pay us a lot and never own any of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know that music you bought during the 2000s on iTunes? 
Well, get ready to pay for it every time you listen to it. Oh, and also download it every time you listen to it. <laughs> I fucking, fucking hate insane. streaming, dude. Streaming is so stupid. Like, and it, uh, from it a capitalist perspective, it's not stupid. They right. fucking saw us coming a mile away. They looked yeah. at Torrance and went, hmm, how can we do... Well, no, they didn't, because for, for so long, they were doing the whole trying to sue people and get people to pay for a, li- a license to own a song. And then yeah, they figured and then they out. they realized that wasn't working. So yeah, then they, they were like, oh, we could just make people pay every month. Yeah. Yeah. And Forever. Yeah, downloading a song every time you listen to it is just so fucking wasteful and dumb. Yeah. Like, it is. If, if you're listening, just get Soulseek. It still works. Uh, it works better than ever. It's very fast. You can find anything on there. Just download it to your phone and then just play it as many times as you want. Don't pay any money to Spotify or whatever. Spotify yeah, sucks, that, dude. Uh, also, um, like... Unless when, Spotify when, is listening, in which case, uh, Spotify rules. Please put our podcast on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the funniest bit for me is that um, not only do you not own any of the music you're purchasing, but... Y- the the artists are making nothing off of the 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 music that's being yeah they sold. make like they make like a thousandth of a cent yeah for each play it, on it's Spotify literally or like that. it's literally fucking nothing yeah like because of um, Spotify and Apple and uh, and all these fucking companies the the whole music industry musical m- musicians all over the world are getting more and more and more into live events because it's the only way they can still make money. Yeah. But the thing so, with the live events, though, is it, it's almost exclusively white people that are going to them. So, like, all the big uh, famous rappers that do tours all the time, the vast majority of their audiences are white because they're the only ones that can afford the inflated ticket prices for when you start making a lot of money that that you have to charge in order to keep up that amount of money. God, this really makes me want to seize the means of distribution. Mm-hmm. This is my latest thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm now, I'm very strongly into seize the means of distribution. Um, mostly to own the tankies, but um, yeah. I'm into uh, seize the killbot factories. Ooh. Ooh, or like or do merges and acquisitions so that you can acquire the killbot factories. Ooh, I like that even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, if you're going to buy I don't even remember how we got into this, but uh, <laughs> if you're going to buy music, um buy from the musician directly, ideally. They make the most money yeah. that way. Or yeah. Bandcamp, they make a lot on that. Uh or just yeah, go I, to their shows and pay them directly. Yeah, just it'd be like here's twenty dollars that I would have paid for the ticket, but I know that uh, it's all gonna get screwed up, and you're only gonna end up making three dollars out of it. So here's the money directly yeah. in your PayPal. Make um, make friends with them and and drive them around and carry their shit in, and then you can be their plus one at shows sometimes. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, the '60s was a good time because we had these bands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the reason we got into this is because McDonald's is running the subscription model. Right. They've, uh, slowly but surely, um, 
they've, they've managed to amass a vast amount of property. And instead of um, small businesses getting to own their business, technically they're just renting it from the guys that own everything. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Much like this, rather just go to some um, street vendor and buy burgers from them, and it's better that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> even Yeah, get a burger e- from a food truck. Those, those guys are awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've got so many food trucks here. Um, we've actually uh, recently uh, found a space that um, is government-run, and... Um, it's now we've we've it's a bunch of friends um, of my boss and mm-hmm. we've uh, set it up so that they now have a central food court in the main financial district and uh, yeah instead of setting up permanent shop restaurants what whatnot they now get to go there every day at lunch and make a fat amount of money off the the rich assholes that run around. Nice. Um, at lunchtime, and then at night they get to drive off to wherever they've got themselves set up on a regular <laughs> basis at night. So it's all good. Food trucks are awesome. Support food trucks. Uh, yeah, there's some food are... truck that goes to the closest bar to me that has like the fucking best uh, Middle Eastern food that I've ever had. It's <laughs> so Sorry, fucking good. You're reminding, me, you're reminding me now, last night... Uh, my wife and I were sitting watching Lost in Space, and it, it was so funny because the new she, one, uh, yeah, 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 and, and I'm loving it. By the way, I highly oh, okay. recommend it. Um, it's I, I never saw the original. Um, Did you see the movie so that came I out in the nineties? Yeah, I think so. It was with, it was pretty with bad. Joey from Friends, right? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Because okay, I, well, I was never into Friends, so I would not have recognized him as a person that I knew. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, I didn't like. I can't remember. It, if I did watch it, I don't remember it. So um, for me, this is like a new experience, and I I love sci-fi. So mm-hmm. to see a decently done sci-fi series again is is pretty awesome. Um, I love the fact that their ships look like the Millennium Falcon. So. <laughs> That's I've been um I've been reading Consider Flebus, the part of the culture series, and uh, I have to say I'm getting a little bit excited about the Amazon, even though it's Amazon series that's doing this. Oh that, yes, yes, that's yes. still happening, right? Do you know? Um, I don't know if it's still happening. Anyway, uh, I think they I think they might not be so bad about it about the whole anarcho communist aspect of it because. Consider Flebus, uh, like, I didn't really know what to expect. All I knew is that the society the series is about is, like, an ANCOM spacefaring society. But the first book is all about, like, a war that they start. And it's from the perspective of someone that's on the opposing side of the war. So, based on that beginning, I think it's possible that they could not like whitewash the anarcho-communist aspect of the society <laughs> well we can only hope yeah uh, the last news announcement of any of this was back in wait did i just see july did i no may 
yeah, of this that year? was the last one. Um, yeah, of this year. Okay. So they've they've acquired the rights to it and they've started production last. I heard. I can't. I honestly, it's the one thing I'll give Amazon um, credit for is that they're willing to do it because um, the more people that see it, the more people will question Amazon's right to existence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, anyway, the, the reason I started in on this. So I'm sitting next to my wife last night and I'm busy watching um, Lost in Space and I'm so into it and suddenly my wife turns to me and says, do you know tacos are just shawarmas? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've seen that meme of the guy and the girl lying in bed together and she's like, he's thinking uh, 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 of other women and he's sitting there thinking about some random shit. Um, (laughs) And this was exactly that, but reversed. There I am, completely focused on on the series. My wife turns to me and says, "Like, uh, you know, tacos are just shawarmas." <laughs> uh, I've never sorry, had shawarma be th- because um, the first time that I ever heard of it was on the Tim and Eric Awesome Show, where they were doing uh, Janet and. Um, the other guy, the the news team, and uh, Janet, who's played by Tim Heidecker, keeps referring to her shawarma gaffs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what I think of anytime I hear shawarma. I'm like, oh, my shawarma gas, and I'm like, I don't want to eat whatever that is. <laughs> so, but I guess if it's just basically... tacos, it's probably good. Uh, well, uh, it, it's um, uh, uh, Middle Eastern flatbread. Mm-hmm. Wrapped around uh, a oh, that's meat, a burrito. Onion. Yeah, well, I mean, some places will serve it as a wrap. Some will take it as a, a flatbread cut open. Ah, okay. And then fold, kind of like a taco. Yeah, all the it's pictures not... that I see here are, are burritos. In fact, I think some of them are literal burritos. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this one is definitely a tortilla. It's not a pita. <laughs> Thanks, Google. You're really useful at this shit. <laughs> well, it's like I asked it's some, like, uh, homemade uh, homemade chicken shawarma recipe, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're just assuming that people don't have access to pitas. <laughs> yeah. So, that is so like, there's that. Okay. Getting back to McDonald's. God, we're really getting, getting away off from shawarma gas. <laughs> <laughs> shawarma gas is terrible so we're gonna go on with the labor issues surrounding mcdonald's okay um, now even though mcdonald's is essentially a real estate company um most of their workers are fast food workers yeah and according to fast food nation which was written by eric schlosser in 2001 um and and keep in mind this is 17 years ago Nearly one in eight workers by then in the U.S. had at some time been employed by McDonald's. That's 35 million workers, which obviously is not an insignificant amount. Um, Now, McDonald's managerial turnover rate is around 20%, uh, while the labor force... uh, the, the general burger flippers and the, the cashiers and all of that, they, they have a turnover rate of around 90%. Uh, 
Now, um, when I gave Ryan the statistic, he asked me what that even means. So I had a little bit of a deeper look, and it seems like it means that per year they retain about 80% of their managerial staff and about 10% of their general staff. Yeah. Um, so I, I just did a quick search. Um, one in eight workers in the U.S., would would only be 20 million workers because the U.S. labor force is 160 million people. So one-eighth of that is 20 million. But still, a uh, crazy amount. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, but you're taking it as one in eight of the current workforce. Yeah. Whereas we're talking about how many workers have worked for the McDonald's Corporation since its inception in 1961. Oh well, that's probably some crazy high number. That's way bigger yeah, than thirty-five. Cra- million. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, uh, thirty-five million was my um, my conservative estimate. Ah, okay. Okay, so um, so yeah, ninety yeah, percent turnover in- rate for regular workers, which is exactly nuts. exactly. It's absolutely nuts. It tells you that this is not a nice company to work for. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. 23- uh, I don't know about. You you probably don't have this because you don't have many McDonald's in your area, but we have a term specifically for the psychological effect of working at McDonald's, which we call McPTSD. Um, oh, I've heard the term. Yeah. I've heard the term. So um, for those who have never been friends with a former McDonald's employee, uh, McDonald's has a lot of timers for everything because it's it's like an industrial food prep uh, setup or system, I guess. Um, it has like these automated timers for everything. So you, you know, you put burgers on the grill, you close the lid and, and then it starts a timer. You put fries in the basket, it starts a timer and just all that kind of shit. So there's constantly all these different beeps going on. Um, so a lot of people that work there, like if like, even after they stop working there, um, even after like several years, I had a coworker who was like this. Any like beeps, especially multiple different beeps at the same time, will can like trigger anxiety and panic attacks. So That's like, up, yeah, this this guy that I worked with, like, um, before we switched over to a newer system, we had a system where there was a, a bunch of beeps that would happen at different times, and he would get so flustered and would have to like take a break after that. And I was like. The first time it happened, I was like, are you all right, dude? He's like, yeah, it's f- I just used to work at McDonald's. It's <laughs> like, fuck, man. That's crazy. That sucks. Yeah. Now, in 2013, um, the Guardian newspaper uh, revealed that 90% of McDonald's UK workforce are on zero-hour contracts. Goddamn. Um, making it possibly the largest such private sector employer in the country. Can you, can you um, explain a zero-hour contract for anyone who doesn't know? Um, okay, so, sorry, I, I had this, um, as separate notes that I just need to pull up quickly. Give me half a second. I think, I think basically the idea is you get no guaranteed hours for your contract. And so you could, in a given week, like they, they can basically, um, yeah, they, they don't have to provide you minimum working hours. So they could schedule you at the last second um, and like they could call you the night before and be like, hey, uh, you need to come in and work, you know, at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's essentially what it comes down to. Um, so you're like a totally precarious worker. It, it, it's basically it's like uh, during the 19th century when you know you you would go down to the dock and see if there's any work for the day. Precisely. Um, the way the the way that zero um, hour contracts work is you get given a time frame during which you are on call. Okay, so basically once you're on call, it means that at any given time they can call you in mm. and you have to work until they tell you to leave. Yep. Okay, so first of all, this can be exploited to make you work a 16-hour workday or it can be exploited to make you come in for two hours and that's all you get for the entire month. And based on your performance, like if if you start slacking off um, because you're tired after 12 hours, your performance rating goes down and you don't get another call for the rest of the month. So yeah, uh, be sick, you're screwed. Be tired, you're screwed. Have any kind of personal problems, you're screwed. Uh, it also makes Zero it really easy for your employer to retaliate if you do anything they don't like, anything you, they don't like, because they can just reduce your hours to your nothing. Hours. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they got into a fair amount of trouble for these zero-hour contracts, and um, there was, at the time, there was a lot of, uh, oh, we're, well, we're going to change this, we're going to change this, we're going to change this. But McDonald's still happens to be... Um, one of the the biggest providers um, in the UK of zero hour contracts. Um, about three percent of the UK workforce is on zero hour contracts, and yet we're still looking at between sixty and seventy percent of McDonald's UK workers are on zero hour contracts. So, yeah, nothing nothing major has changed there. These people are assholes, and they will continue to be assholes. Um, now, a study released by Fast Food Forward, um, which was conducted by um, Anzalone List Grove Research, uh, showed that approximately 84% of all fast food employees um, working in New York City in April of 2013 had been paid less than their legal wages by their employers. Um, this this became known as the Wage Theft Report, and it uh, it got... It got them into a lot of trouble. Um, McDonald's had to pay a fat load of fines. They had to pay back uh, the money that had, that they'd basically stolen from all their workers. And this is not anything unusual. If you go anywhere in the world that McDonald's exists, they're forever trying to get away with not paying full um, wages to employees that have, have put in their hours. Yeah. Um, now, over the years, McDonald's workers have repeatedly gone on strike over wages, um, with, the, with the most common response being similar to that of um, former CEO Ed Rinsby, Ed, sorry, Ed Rensi, um, where he said, it's cheaper to buy a $35,000 robotic arm than it is to hire an employee who's inefficient, making $15 an hour bagging French fries. This guy's a conservative okay. meme maker. <laughs> he, he is? Wait, what? 
That's that's the big conservative meme. It's like, oh, you want fifteen dollars an hour? Meet your replacement. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly. their one joke. Besides, uh, did you just assume my gender, or my gender is a, <laughs> my gender identity is attack helicopter? That's that's the second joke that they have. Oh, they're is, so uh, funny. You're, you're I lazy pores, and so... you're going to be replaced by robots. Okay, now. Uh, to be honest, this is a predictable response from a company that's been pushing for automated replacement of their labor force since the early 90s. Um, back in 1999, McDonald's first tested what they called e-clerks um, in uh, suburban Chicago and Wyoming um, uh, with these devices that were able to, quote-unquote, save money on live staffers. Um, and, and they found that these uh, machines um, attracted larger purchase amounts than average employees, basically showings that, uh, showing us that machines are better at upselling than staff who earn less than minimum wage. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, because no one wants um, to upsell. <laughs> no one gives that. a shit about why that. Am going, why am I going to make more money for you by selling yeah. more of your crap when you're unwilling to pay me a fucking living wage. And the people like, who go to McDonald's yell at me all day. Exactly. They got their Why fries the wrong or whatever. Yeah, fuck them. Um, yeah. So in 2016, McDonald's uh, launched the Create Your Taste uh, electronic kiosks. Um, and these were seen in some restaurants internationally where customers could uh, custom order meals. Um, but then customers complained that the meals were too expensive and took too long to prepare. So McDonald's um, took the massive step of changing the name of the experimental system to Signature Crafted Recipes uh, so that customers will have lowered expectations and, and be happier with what they got. Lowered expectations. <laughs> I don't know if you know that reference. <laughs> or if anyone I listening really does. I really and then and I don't, but maybe you'd like to explain. Maybe Soy Boy does. Uh, it's a thing from Mad TV. It's like a uh, a like video dating service for ugly people and freaks and stuff. And it was basically just okay. like, oh, are you single still? Maybe you should lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> That's heavy. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, one one other thing from that really long article about McDonald's financials and stuff. Um, I don't know why this is. It doesn't really get into it at all. But even before this current push for automation and, and the computerized kiosks and all that stuff, um, from 2013 to 2016, when its revenue uh, actually started to increase for the first time in quite a while, um, the number of employees was reduced by f almost 15%. So they wow. their number of employees peaked in 2012 and 2013 at around uh, 440,000, and uh, in 2016 uh, it was down to about 30, 3750. Uh, so thir uh, 375,000 um, employees. So they've managed to grow their revenue while reducing the number of employees they have. I have there? no idea what you just said because you cut out. Oh, really? Shit. So, 
Uh, no, no, just from the last little bit. Oh, yeah, I just said they've they've managed to increase their revenue while reducing their employees. Gee, I wonder how they might have done that. Well, that's what I want to know because, like, from 2013 to 2016, I don't think they were doing a big automation push, were they? No, dude. They they upped their franchisee rate. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, would that, been, would that reflect been... in their employees? In their number of employees? Um... Because no, I don't know if, if that includes if franchise employees or not. Hmm, it's an interesting question. I'd have to look into it a little bit deeper, and I don't want to anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, it says here the company needs less employees to keep a higher number of restaurants running. That should be fewer, but still. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The, where were the, you? The, it's a bit of an bit of an interesting conundrum. Yeah. Am I coming through? Because your your side of things is breaking up a little bit. You're mostly coming through. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Um, okay. So before we move on to the next section, I just quickly want to mention that in 2007, they were accused and pled guilty to employing minors in a store in Australia. A decade later, Australian courts found them guilty of tax evasion on nearly half a billion dollar in profits. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and, and by evasion, I mean they paid zip, zilch, zero, nothing. <laughs> they got Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, now, this one's a little bit of a tough one. Uh, McDonald's makes a big push in trying to show that they have a lovely environmental record. Um, they've got numerous projects uh, on show, so uh, uh, specifically to try and and make everyone view them in a positive light with the green revolution and all of that shit. Mm -hmm. um, so. Back in um, the 90s, uh, they worked with the Environmental Defense Fund to stop using clamshell-shaped styrofoam food containers to house um, their food products. To house um, their employees. And then 20 years later, in, in 2010, uh, they announced they would, be, they would try replacing styrofoam coffee cups with an alternative material. Um, I... I, I feel very, very bad for anyone who's using a McDonald's as their source of caffeine because what the fuck? Um, well, some places honestly, it's the only place around. Really? Oh, yeah. God damn it. God damn and it. honestly, your like... coffee tree. It only takes seven years. I, I think McDonald's coffee is not that much worse than Starbucks, which is the other choice in most places, and it's way cheaper. It's interesting. Um, with with the McDonald's model and them not really giving a shit about the 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 public image as much as someone like Starbucks mm -hmm. would would um, would McDonald's have done a, a a full day off for all their staff globally to go for sensitivity training after a big public racist incident happened in their store. 
Um, I'm guessing they would actually uh, instead send them to uh, the Charles Murray School of Doing Racism better. Yeah. And I mean, this is what I'm figuring. Um, if you if you behave in a racist way, then we'll just reduce your hours. Um, stuff like that. Um, anyway, so... You heard it from Peter. Starbucks uh, really cares about their workers. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they love them. Hot takes on the hot take it. machine here today. today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, the last time they really got criticized, um, was back in the 1970s, uh, about their environmental policies. Um, and they began making what is dubbed substantial progress in reducing its use of materials. So, for instance, an average meal in the 1970s, um, as far as McDonald's concerned, a Big Mac, fries, and a drink required 46 grams of packaging. Today, it requires only 25 grams, allowing a 46% reduction. Now, just to be clear, the way that McDonald's did this was not by reducing the amount of packaging that went into it. They simply made all the materials thinner. So the, right. the, the, the wrapping paper around it, the box uh, that the Big Mac comes in, the everything was just made more cost effectively so that, um, they could go on to say, we've made a 46% reduction. And so we pretty same much time, saved the environment. Yeah. That single handedly, they saved the world and, uh, doubled their sales of burgers so that it all yeah. evened out nicely. Thanks, hippies. Um, now, yeah. <laughs> um, they also, they were the ones that um, first invented the uh, the cola delivering delivery system of uh, pumping the syrup directly from the delivery truck into storage containers, um, which apparently saved over 2 million pounds of packaging annually. Uh, but That actually is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, do great that. idea. You should do that everywhere. Except, except that they then went and doubled the amount of of trips that needed to be taken by trucks. Um, so again, oh, they did even out. Yeah, um, in the same time period, uh, their revenue and coke sales doubled. So ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so it all evens out. Anytime you hear of McDonald's making environmental progress, um, please look for the other side of the coin because uh, there are always two sides. Um, so you make fun of me for defending the U.S. quite a bit, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it again. Um, giant sodas, pretty good. <laughs> This is the part where I'm I'm legitimately allowed to fly to the US and kick you in the nuts. <laughs> so I'm gonna just be hopping online to buy a ticket. Uh, to uh, uh, could you dox yourself, please? Uh, yeah, I live at uh, Virginia two zero one two one. Gotcha. That's my real actual address. I shall. <laughs> And I shall see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay. So, yeah, that's that's my McDonald's take on things. Was there any more stuff here that, that I've glossed over somehow? Uh, I don't think so. I was having a little bit of trouble following since we were kind of moving around. And also, oh. Oh, also I was reorganizing my bookshelf perfectly. just now. <laughs> this is how much Ryan is dedicated to this podcast, everyone, is that while he and I are sitting and very in-depthly discussing various important uh, topics, he's reorganizing his bookshelf. This is great. Yeah, I mean, um, I need to get rid of stuff. I, I just have too much stuff. I hear you. I'm I kind hear, of a... Yeah. I feel bad for Diane pointed out that I'm kind of a hoarder. Um, so, I need to work on that. Yeah. My, my, my wife is starting to learn that I'm a hoarder, too. Yeah. I just got rid she of... Yesterday, wondering. Yesterday I uh, cleaned off this shelf on a bookshelf that I have. And I finally, after ha- owning them for like probably 15 years, uh, just tossed these uh, old uh, DVI cables that I haven't used in at least five years. <laughs> so, yeah. See, I would, I would still keep those because you never know. Well, I do know because monitors now don't use DVI cables anymore. They use HDMI. So, like, uh, even if I got uh, a new I monitor, there'd be no point in me having that. <laughs> No, you, see, you're not thinking out the box. I I, I would use them as restraints <laughs> for 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 stuff and tying things together. You know, these cables. You know, they're they're, they're always going to be useful for something. I always come up with some also, dumbass reasons too for like keeping some stuff. Like I have I have a bunch of records. I never really listen to them, but when I think about getting rid of them, I'm like, well, what if what if society collapses? And there's limited electricity available. I'm not going to be able to use my digital music collection. But I still want to have some music to listen to. So I could probably plug my record player in, right? Yeah. It's really funny. My boss came back from Dubai two weeks ago. And um, he walked in with this massive smile on his face. and telling everyone, come, 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 come. I want all of you to come down to the car. And we all went down to his car, and, and he's like, there, 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 there. pick that up, pick that up. And it's this big thing wrapped in bubble wrap so thickly that you can't see what's inside. And so I carry this thing back up to the office, and like and he, and he starts opening it, but he tells everyone, you know, look away, look away. <laughs> and then like he's having so much fun with this, and by the time he's finally finished opening it up, and he stands back, and he's, and he's got this massive smile, and he bought a really old-school gramophone. Oh, nice. That, that you wind up by hand, as well as 20 LPs of like all sorts of jazz and blues. And yeah, so now the office environment is musical, and <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely opposed to it. Yeah. You can see why people like this whole music thing. Yeah. I have some great records too, man. Like, nothing like especially valuable, but stuff that's pretty hard to find. So. Oh, that's cool. That's I don't cool. think I want to get rid of them. Yeah, after the collapse, those are going to be invaluable commodities. Yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, uh, McDonald's. Yeah, stuff. we're basically done with McDonald's because they're a bunch of duty heads. Um, I yeah. suppose the last thing that we can mention and they, is they that also, though, they have... 
one good thing about them is that they prove Marxism wrong conclusively. <laughs> you're a Marxist uh, after yeah. you learn about McDonald's. You're a you're a big old dumbass. Big stupid yeah, dumbass. Dummy dumb dumb. Go seize those Go seize those means of production and see how well that works out for you. Yeah. Go um, seize go seize the McDonald's franchise and you'll still be paying rent to McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. Dumbass, stupid um, ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Tankies for the win. Um, so, yeah, the last thing I can mention is that McDonald's has been part of numerous lawsuits over the years, uh, most of which have... Um, pertain specifically to trademark infringement. Uh, they regularly try to prevent restaurants from opening with Mick or Mac at the beginning of their names. Now, when I found this out, I did a little bit of digging into the difference between Mick or Mac. And it turns out... One is Scottish, that, one's Irish. No, they're both Scottish. But if you have had the A removed from your surname... Historically, it's a dishonor it on your family. Your family <laughs> it is a dishonor on your family. It oh, was, I got that right. <laughs> uh, you got that one hundred percent right. It was um, if if your family uh, had been involved with an unlawful killing, or you had stolen from the crown, or anything like that, you became a muck instead of a mac. And uh, yeah, I suppose McDonald's. Uh, got that one spot on. Well done, <laughs> McDonald's. Uh, so just to tie this all in a neat bow, uh, because we are a show about political economy and anime, uh, there's a, a pretty funny anime called, uh, The Devil's a Part-Timer. And it's about how, uh, my, <laughs> my title. favorite, my favorite religious character, Satan, uh, gets involved in this holy war. And uh, he's, of course, the good guy. Um, as we all know, Satan is the good guy. Um, and he basically flees to the human realm and uh, takes a job at McRonald's. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like a slice of life comedy sort of thing about uh, the devil working at McRonald's. I don't know if they ever made a second season of it, because when I finished it, I was like, I hope they make more of this. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's a good one. Yeah, sounds dope. Here, I'll, I'll okay. look it up right now. Season two. Let's see. Season two. Well, there's news from July 28th, so. Oh, nice. So this is ongoing. I like it. Yeah. What to expect? Okay, so I think they are making a season two, just for my skimming. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. All no right, everyone. Ice. Uh, yeah, that was Neighbor Science. Uh, if you enjoyed that episode, uh, check out our other ones. Uh, we have a website, postscarcitymagazine.com, that has all of the episodes. You can search them by tag. Uh, it has the post-scarcity anarchism zine. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, at NeighborSciPod. Uh, Facebook dot com slash neighbor science patreon.com slash neighbor science instagram at neighbor science and i am at handle of rye uh peter is at book cheekite and that's it that's it pretty much so um there's a small bit of news um 
this will be my last uh, podcast for a while. Um, I have unfortunately gotten extremely busy with a whole bunch of contracts at work. Peter's working for Jack Ma now. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> uh, uh, I'm franchising out um, some McDonald's. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm gotten too busy. I can't keep up with the workload at work as well as uh, getting involved with show notes and the timing for. Uh, when we record our podcasts, it's it's just it's too much to handle at once. So Ryan will have a surprise new um, host that will be filling in for me in the meantime. Uh, obviously, as and when I get time, I'm going to still be involved in the show and help out wherever I can. But uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people will not have to listen to my very annoying South African accent anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'll just get a British person. Nobody will be able to tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to fake a British accent and pretend that I'm back on the show, aren't you? Yeah. I'll just make up a character. <laughs> Hi, I'm I'm Ryan Salisbury. And I'm um, Peter uh, Stefferson. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> That'll be the new host. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That'll be so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Well, Thanks Peter, for we'll miss everyone. you. Well, not co- totally, because no, be you won't back. be totally gone. Uh, I'll be back. Don't be although, although you are actually dying, so uh, we will miss yeah, you in, in this life, and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs> I love you all. In hell. Bye. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Hell. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>